The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We want to welcome you to our podcast today. Say, if you've been tracking with us, we've been going through a mini-series called The Abiding Life. When you think of The Abiding Life, if you could just possibly think with me on, on regard to Jesus being this vine in the vineyard, and we are the branches, and we are attached to this vine... And the sap that is coming through the vine, dropping down into the branch, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just kind of hang out in the branch, keep that branch, you know, fresh with green leaves and healthy looking and whatever, much like our modality today of external health. The goal has to be, where's that sap ultimately going to be taken? What's the end purpose of the sap? For the fruit, for the grapes. Then there's a measurement within the cluster of grapes that are on a branch. Three things can happen. One, you'll just see these small little clusters that really aren't worth giving away. So they get pruned. Two, you have this excessive weight of clusters of grapes and something has to happen. You have to throw away good fruit. Prune them, cut them away. Leave five, get rid of five. And then there's the third category, and that is you have three or four healthy clusters of grapes, and they're taking all the nutrients that are necessary from the branch by way of the sap in the branch that comes through the vine, of course, that is rooted into the soil that has been carefully nurtured by the vine dresser, the father. So keep that illustration intact as we talk about the abiding life in Christ. Today we're going to carefully talk about the ideology of religion. Religion does have the tendency to be a term that is used within the the world of of uh, Christ followers or some even indwelt Christians use the 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 terms religion. There are several Bible passages that use the term religion, but there are zero passages where the term religion is used to describe Christianity. So we're going to talk about that. Our passage today is going to take the original definition, at least from the Latin. Many people think the Latin language was formed and developed after the Greek. That is not true. The Latin language was put in place in 753 B.C. Many of our Latin words came from a highway robbery, so to speak, of pictorial Hebrew. So when you look at an English word like uh, Latino, you have the definition within Latino, Latin. 
Almost every English word has the definition being revealed in the word itself. The word demonstrate. Originally, it came from an expression of observing someone who is possessed by a demon. Demon, straight. It is the, the definition is found in the Latin most of the time. The Greeks, on the other hand, complicated the definitions of words. And of course, many of the writers or most of the writers of the New Testament made use of the Greek. So we have pictorial Hebrew, modern Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, which pretty much stayed the same from the beginning with some few minor changes. The Latin definition and meaning of religion is very simple. It means to bind or obligate. So religion, bind, obligate was one of the first definitions put out there. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27, it says, But prove yourself doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. In the world of abiding life, there is a stretched truth that oftentimes affect many of the not I, but Christ believers. And that is that you do not have to be a doer of the word anymore. Everything's done by grace. And there seems to be such an emphasis on belief in the abiding life that the doing aspect of the abiding life does not get accomplished. Well, the end result of that is, if you leave the cluster of grapes on the branch and do nothing with them, and you don't fulfill their original and final purpose, what happens? They will rot and fall off the branch. They will rot and fall off the branch. The good news is, is the vine dresser knows it'll turn into fertilizer and re-nurture the root system. So all things work together for the good, for the vine dresser. But you see, the one who was supposed to enjoy those grapes got denied the privilege of enjoying those grapes. So there's a doing that is all a part of this whole abiding life. There's pruning. There's sometimes hanging branches a little differently and just carefully, meticulously taking care of this vineyard. God is very active. He's a workaholic. He never stops working. And in his working, he's resting. That's the beauty of this. So in the abiding life, to actually be a doer of the word, you're resting in Christ. As odd as that sounds for a lot of people. Now, a lot of people are listening right now, driving down the highway or sitting there in your church. You are merely hearing this. You're not going to do a blasted thing with what I'm going to share with you today. You are going to try to massage the concepts of what you're hearing today into this mushy little brain of yours, hoping that you'll get a little bit of action out of it before you have your noon meal. I can already tell you, 
give you the information and the results up front, you will not. The percentage of people that take action immediately upon what they hear, something happens visually to them. They fall on their knees, either in their heart or physically. They fall on their knees and call out to God in repentance and say, God, I have sinned before you. I have not lived like this preacher has preached today. Cleanse me, O God. Fill me, O God. Whatever your prayer is, there is immediate action. There is truth that comes in and it encounters this disbelief. To be a mere listener, you are merely a rebellious person. There is no easier way to communicate this to you. Truth requires action. Lies require mere listening. Truth requires action. To become a doer of the word, that becomes the proof that you're not a mere listener. You see, when I have these encounters with God, I was sharing with you a Bible study time Jane and I and Jess were having yesterday, and it turned into this spontaneous truth upon truth, devotional time, if you want to call it that. It would have been fine for the human soul to end that devotional time going, this was awesome, guys. Because that's not God's modality. Is merely to get excited about a devotional. To get excited about a Bible study time. To get excited about some truth that you heard. He doesn't stop there. Because he knows it will turn you into a deluded believer. I got up from that chair and I knew action was coming. I went down to my office. I sat there and I said, God, what is to come from this discussion? The quote is, Stephen, put your hands on your keyboard. And this profound article came out that I have never, ever tried to communicate out of this small little mind of mine before. With a very structured way of how this was going to be moving forward on the social networks and through the email system. And I got to write that down to make sure I hit every single bullet point of doing what happened in that revelation. That's how my God lives. My God is not a hearer of Steve Finney's words. My God is a God who listens to give. Listens to give. Do you see that? He goes on and he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror and once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Now I'm going to give you a a little psychological secret. 
In our group discussion before the podcast, we talked about why do people get spacey? Why do people forget? Why do we do these kinds of things? The primary root of why people don't talk, the primary root of why people don't take messages from your preachers and fall on your face before God, not your preacher, before God and repent and experience transformation is one simple fact. You forget how you look to God. You see, the word says, he who thinks he's something when he's nothing deceives himself. Galatians what? 6.3 Now I want someone to quote that right back to me. He who thinks he's something yet is nothing deceives himself. Galatians 6.3 Galatians 6.3 You see, the reason why people stall out and become mere listeners is because they are not going to sign on to they're nothing. You say, well, I have a poor self-image and, you know, I'm always down on myself and I got news for you, mere listener. Listen very carefully. You love yourself too much. To be able to confidently say Steve Finney is absolutely nothing. And when he tries to think he is something, he is deceiving himself. That is a bold, truthful doer of the word. You see, I need to understand that there's nothing I can do with this great revelation that happened in our little Bible study. And get down to my office and say, God, what shall become of this? Stephen, put your hands on the keyboard. See, it goes from not I, but Christ. God's interested in action. Go feed the widows. Take care of the orphans. Pick up the flushy on the floor. Whatever the action is that God says, be and do this now. A delayed response in transformation creates information that will destroy you. Knowledge will destroy you. What are the two trees in the garden again? Tree of knowledge, information, tree of life. What happens to be our modality of information today? The information highway. We have more information coming at us now, as all of us know now. We've read the papers. We've read the online articles. We've read the warnings. And the most annoying thing to me as a prophet of the living God is that people today take warnings from science quicker than they do from the prophets in the church. Oh, God forgive us that we read the news before we listen to our pastors. What have we done, oh God, with your warnings, with your teachings? 
We proclaim this religious way of functioning and devotion to Jesus Christ because we have one of the best devotionals there that was ever written called My Utmost for His Highest. We read it every day and we might even look up the scriptures and say, Oh God, thank you for blessing me today. And your religion is worthless. Oswald Chambers would be insulted by this. Because these quotes came out of these powerful messages that God gave Oswald Chambers as his wife sat there in the pew and took immediate action to the word and wrote it down and later turned him into a devotional. That we are reading to be blessed for ten minutes so that we can become mere hearers of this word and profound things from Oswald Chambers. Really? God's warning you, listener. Who are you putting your faith in? Your devotions? Your Bible study books? Where is your devotion? Because I know as a teacher of the living God, I can watch by your repentance or lack of it. That's all I watch for. Oh God, what are you going to do with such information? Stephen, put your hands to the keyboard. I demand action from God. Because he demands action from me. Is there something wrong with this thinking? He is requiring me to be a doer of his word. Word, if I remember correctly, is God. And he came to dwell among us so that we could behold his glory, the radiance from the word. Oh no, someone please pass me Oswald Chambers, please. (laughs) It's easier to hear truth third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation down the road than it is to get it out of the horse's mouth. So when you ask someone today, do you hear the spirit of the living God whispering in your ear? They look at you like you're crazy, as Paul said. They look at me as if I speak insane. You are the one that needs to understand the presence of the living God is the abiding life of Jesus Christ. And God does want to reveal himself and he wants us to become doers of the word. So whether we write a Bible study from that, that's when it all becomes very appropriate. So here's what happens. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not having become forgetful hearers, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed. And what he does. So I will expect as the hands hit the keyboard, whatever shows up in the the writing is going to bless me and heal me. It's not, wow, this is a profound article, Finney. It is, I am the one that will be blessed. The action starts with me. Then when it goes out, 
it should do the exact same thing to others. Orphans, widows, etc. Most probably didn't get that, but the Spirit could show you if you ask them. And it goes on to say, if anyone thinks to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is profound. It's worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God, who is our Father, of course. God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Religion, if you remember, as we just talked about from the Latin, is to bind or to obligate. Religion in the Hebrew means related to Judaism, external practice of the law. External practice of the law. I need to have my devotions today. Someone please tell me the difference between that ideology and the Hebrew people having to get up in the morning and do their little perfectionistic, legalistic routine to launch their day as children of God. How's it different than having to pray over your meal? There are religious people in this room who will not eat unless you pray. That is religion. There is no Christ as life in that. Christ as life is a spontaneous, active communication with God because it's bubbling out of you. God, I am thankful for this meal today. I really am. Versus, dear Lord, we want to thank you for the food today. I'm particularly grateful for the cherry pie. And we do this religious action. And I'm here to tell you, this is no different than what is being addressed here of these religious people. Or praying before you go to sleep. Or, 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 or. They are religious activities that prove you are a hearer of the word, not a doer. You can't shut a true indwelt Christian up from praying. You can't shut an indwelt Christian up from preaching the word. You can't, you can't, you can't. You see what I'm saying? It's like what Jeremiah said. I tried to keep the word of God in my heart, and it burned in me like a fire. And I had to get it out. I get what Jeremiah is saying. So why the body of Christ as a whole can rebelliously sit on their silence and act like religious fools and proclaim somehow to the world that they're Christians and there's no bubbling brook to be seen. It's what's being addressed. The Greek religion means will worship. It is a outward action expression of worship. And that's how it's being used in this passage. 
It is not addressing Christianity. It is a will worship. It is an action. It is raising your hands automatically. It is praying automatically. It is helping a widow automatically. It is helping an orphan automatically. It is a anti-suppressed overflow of helping someone or expressing your devotion to Jesus Christ. The overall use, the word religion, always expresses external actions of ceremonial observances. Let's pray for our food. Everyone fold your hands. Yes, like the little children. I can go on probably in hundreds of these expressions. And you can come up with any excuse on why you use these silly little expressions. Why do you bow your head and close your eyes when you pray? It's religion. Say, well, I do it so I can be more focused when I pray. That's a good reason. Instead of, you know, my spiritual, one of my spiritual fathers who died, you know, not too long ago, Elvis Priest, he would just start praying and he's walking around the room. I'm like, wait, he's praying, wait. He's just talking to the Lord. You know, and his eyes were open. He could be talking to you all the same. He's going, and God, I'm telling you. That in the power of, and and you're like, okay, we've made a switch here. He's praying now. See, early on, God had to show him this lesson we're teaching today. And it affected everything in his life. Walking and talking with the Lord, singing out a song, talking to someone. I mean, just he used to put what in bushes on his hike? Bible tracks. He would just stick tracks in, you know, he would stop people in the middle of, we were getting tickets one time to a museum and, and you know, he pulls out a track and he hands it to the gal and go, oh, here we go again. And he, you know, she very cordially accepted it, blah, blah, blah. We get our tickets, we go in the museum, have a great time. He completely forgets he left her with a track. I didn't. So we're walking out of the museum. I'm looking over at the little building, you know, and she's still in it. And we're walking this way to the car. And I'm very much aware of what's going on. I'm like, Dad, you just left her a track. Follow up. Follow up. No, he just faced it and walked on. She hollers at him. She says, hey, hey, sir, I just wanted you to know I prayed that prayer. And he goes, that's great, and walks to his car. It was just a part of life. That is not religion. It's true indwell Christianity at its best. The abnormality of religion is that there's no divine person in the religion itself. If religion is binding and creates obligation, or in the healthiest sense, it's an expression of worship, there's no divine person in the activity. There's nothing in it. There's nothing in bowing your heads. 
There's nothing in dressing up on Sunday. See, those are freedoms we have. External expressions of worship that God's okay with. He doesn't care if you do this, this, or this. He doesn't care if you're a head bower, eyes pinched. Head bower, eyes softly closed. Or one of these. Sometimes I like to have my eyes open and look around because the devil's at work. You see, we just need to understand the difference between religion and indweltism. That's what we need to understand. So the ending of the formalities of religion, we need to first understand the simple fact that religion is not a gift. Jesus never spoke of it. Now James did, and a couple others did. But see, Jesus never referenced it unless he was attacking it. And even in those expressions, he would not use the word religion. He would address the Pharisees. He would address the core of what was underneath religion. So religion is not a gift. It's a burden. It's something heavy. If I required the people in this room to raise their hands, you didn't have an option anymore. You have to raise your hands and dance during worship. How well would that go over? Not so well with some of us. They might not show up. <laughs> that would be their last Sunday. If he's going to make us do things expressively every week, I'm not coming back. Church separation. So now you can do whatever you want. You can sit in the audience and Curse at the preacher. You can send him text messages while he's preaching. You can Twitter. You can do whatever you want to do now. You can lay down and sleep. You can get up and jump in the pew. You can sing. You can be silent. You can do anything you want. So now we look at the church in. We're hardly able to find religion. There's no standards. Devil's a smart little guy. The origin of life, the word life originated from the Hebrew as direct, meaning a road, mode of action, or something that you have to go through, like a bridge. That's what life is. It's a modality of a pathway you have to go on and go through something. You don't just become part of the tree of life by saying, I'm a believer, I got saved when I went to the Baptist camp in 1967. and I, That doesn't get you over here to the tree of life. There is a way... There's a truth person on that way. And then there's the life, the tree of life. It's a formal, formal formula. 
It, there's action of getting from this tree of religious stuff that you have heard and you're regurgitating versus the tree of life. Well, this doesn't need to close his eyes when he prays. He is praying without ceasing. If you've never figured out what that meant. Why cut God short by having prayer? Release God by prayer because he said, I'm here all the time for you. Let's talk all the time, none of the time, part of the time. It's just talk. I'll talk, you listen, you feed it back, or you talk and I'll feed it back. You see, it's just resting in converse. But we turn it into religion because of our childhood and what we were taught from church. Do you know how hard God worked at getting rid of the religious church? And he finally got rid of it? And now he's saying to the indwell believers, the remnant of Israel, now just show them how to be doers of the word. Just be at peace and rest and just show them how easy this is. No more hymnals, no more pews sitting, no more, no more crosses on the walls, no more, you know, I have worked to get rid of this and it's worked just fine. Now let's just show them how to live life through the abiding life. Comparing religion against life is what Jesus did. And so when we compare the word life with that of religion, we are able to see the message of the cross. And it's the message of the cross that we went through this passageway and came into life, not religion. He separated it. And once he separated life and religion, life can truly find its way out of the person. Key truths of life versus religion is Jesus worked to eliminate the ideology of religion. If anyone understood the rules of religion and how these rules of religion could not transform a person's life, it was Jesus. Now I'm going to say something I just hope and pray I get 602s, 292s, 2982. Your devotions is worthless. Don't bother. I don't care who your favorite author is, teacher. They all can go bad. There is no life transforming elements in devotion. That's religion. Now keep in mind, I'm not throwing away the New Testament true definitions of religion and expression of worship. Now I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm probably going to grab one of my favorite little authors and I'm going to read something that author has said. But see, I'm not calling it my devotions. I'm calling it life. Because I happen to know that guy speaks life. 
And then it'll lead me into the Word, and I get into the Word, and the Word is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing the soul from the spirit, the joint from the marrow, able to judge every thought and intention that is inside this peon brain of mine. And tell me there won't be transformation, doer of the Word, after I do that. That's not devotions. That's life. And God may say at 10 in the morning, do that. He may say it at noon, do it again. He may say do it at 6 p.m. He may say do it for five hours today, Stephen. It is hearing him and doing him. It's not adding it to your schedule. The number one reason people hate body life in church is they're too busy with things that are not eternal. Tell me that that is not a technique of Satan. To cause people to forget, to delude the messages of God. People of religions whitewash their sins. Leela Faber, dear friend of mine, title of his first chapter in his book is Becoming a better sinner. You see, people of religion whitewash their sins to become better sinners. So people won't look at them as this dark, depraved sinner who's going to hell. So they have this goody-goody two-shoe flesh. They've whitewashed their sins with bleach. Religion, so people don't notice how big of a hypocrite they really are. Never see it, because their shirts are always white. Bummer. Jesus doesn't expect a born-again person to keep his commandments, because they aren't his. (laughs) Do you get that? Whose are they? It's his dad's rules of engagement for converse, to convert. It's God's rules. He says, I'm not moving on these babies. I'm not going to change them according to translations. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I am immovable in this, and they will all hate me because I'm so immovable. And by the way, Jesus, son, They're all going to hate you. And son, could you please tell all the prophets and teachers that they're all going to hate them too. Because they're immovable. But I'm not changing in this, son. So there's only one choice for you. I'm going to have to take you through a very painful process to end religion. All the rules of my requirements of getting people back to heaven, you're going to have to go pay the price for them. He simply took on the requirements of religion, of the law, and fulfilled them. And turned around and gave the Holy Spirit to people who wanted to become indwelt by Jesus Christ, by way of Spirit, Holy Spirit who is the spirit of Jesus, 
who is the same spirit that lives inside God the Father. And those who want that can transfer from religion to life. But those who don't, they're going to stay on the tree of information highway stuff. And their devotions and their degrees and their and that list is very long. Religion will send you to hell. Life will send you into eternity and beyond. The religious saints are religious because of their behavior. Indwelt believers are holy. Matthew 16.26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? As usual, it all boils down to the great exchange. All of us must answer the question, As for me, I am willing to exchange my religious soul for the indwelling life of Christ. I now watch Christ's life realized in my daily living and dying as I experience his daily living through my frail and vulnerable soul. Not I, but Christ. Not religion, but Christ. Contact us if you have questions are struggling with understanding the most simplest message we've preached to date. Religion will send you to hell. Always comes back to life, abiding life, and having it abundantly. Looking forward to next week as we talk about the Romans' road to death. That should be a fun discussion. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.